0: Today is Tuesday, March 24th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 359 with actor, musician, and diehard Celtics fan Donnie Wahlberg is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% bonus on your next deposit. Welcome back to another edition of Celtics Beat. Kaufman with you. And as you can tell, we've broken from our regular schedule in the wake of the coronavirus outbreak for several reasons. Chief among them, no sports. If you haven't been paying attention lately, at the time of this recording, more than a dozen confirmed cases of the virus across the NBA, including one in Boston. What's up,
1: everyone? So I just found out I tested positive for the coronavirus. I'm okay. I feel fine. Um, I don't feel any of the symptoms. Um, But I can't stress enough of practicing social distancing and really, you know, keeping yourself away from a large group of people um, and just really washing your hands and, and, and help protect yourself and help protect others by protecting
0: yourself. Thank you. Of course, that's Marcus Smart, who is, as of right now, totally asymptomatic, which is obviously great, and that should also serve as a reminder to you Anybody can contract this, and you may have already and just don't know. I mean, not to freak you out, but Marcus Smart obviously did not know until he was tested and found out he was tested positive. So you should know all this. This is scary. This is real. We need to listen to the experts and just stay inside, away from those who don't live in your house anyway, and and hope the curve flattens sooner than later. Beyond that, I'm not going to harp. That's not what this show is. I know it's not what you're here for. You're here for an escape. So, As it concerns the NBA, here's what you need to know, quickly. Commissioner Adam Silver does not know if the league will return this year, and if it does, it could come back with regular season games in normal circumstances. Of course, that's a best-case scenario, however unlikely. Games without fans, games in training facilities instead of main larger arenas, even a small charity tournament just to help restart the economy if the actual season is in fact dead. And none of that is likely to happen before mid-June, which is when the playoffs are typically winding down. So, once more, we're not going to have much to discuss concerning the NBA for quite a while. Months, really, in all likelihood, unless there's new news in the form of a definite shutdown. Now, all that said... This is a special show, one I've been planning for quite a while. Unfortunately, it took a global pandemic for our schedules to sync up, but we are making it happen. We're doing it right now. We're going to make the best of it. It's just not going to be exactly the type of show that I had hoped for, but maybe in other ways it will be better, right? Look for the silver linings in this entire situation. I can guarantee it's going to be a good, fun show. All right, so with all that, I want to welcome in a diehard Celtics fan, really a, a passionate sports fan in general. It's not just the Celtics. He's... Actor, singer, songwriter, producer, the most optimistic guy you will find on social media. I'm convinced of that. Donnie Wahlberg. Donnie, what's up, man? How you holding up with everything going hey, hey. on?
1: I'm holding up okay. Uh, you know, locked in the house. I don't know if that's good or bad because we got like a little mini blizzard last night. So we like... Seven inches of snow, and uh, we can't go out anyway. So yeah, there you go. That,
0: that just makes matters worse. You don't need any of that. You don't need anything to compound the situation. You got to be able to at least go right. out and exercise, get a walk in, or something. Yeah, so, that's
1: right. So if it, if snow kills coronavirus, we welcome it. But um, sadly, I don't think it does. So
0: well. Look, everybody knows you from New Kids on the Block, from Blue Bloods, from Wahlburgers. I think you're probably the answer to a trivia question as it relates to The Sixth Sense. But you are here to talk sports. And the first thing that I want to know, and I promise you know, this will be my most long-winded question, between all the stuff that I just mentioned, hit TV show, the insane amount of time that you make for, for all the blockheads on social media and in person for that matter, you're taking pictures all the time, the fact that you're still performing, Uh, famous, successful wife who keeps busy. You're involved with some of her projects, too. you got a son, I think, getting ready to go off to college. How in the world do you find time to be such a rabid sports fan?
1: Um, That probably, since I was a little kid, comes first on the list. Um, Like most Bostonians, (laughs) uh, sports is pretty much, like, in your blood. So everything else is, like, you know, part of the package later. So... You know, I mean, I wouldn't say this now. I'm a 50 year old husband and dad with a career, but you know, sports is still. I mean, it's right there um, on the list. You know, my my wife is uh, born and raised in the South Side of Chicago, but she quickly adopted the Patriots and the Celtics. I mean, we were at the playoffs a couple years ago, and she's jumping up and down. You know, cheering. I think in the Sixers (laughs) series, she's going crazy like it's her team and She's full-on for the Patriots. We've been to a couple of Super Bowls, and, um, you know, she's, she's all in. So she's pretty much uh, adopted the Boston sports with me, and um, it's very much a, a part of all of our lives. I mean, you know, it's, you can't come up in Boston and, and not be passionate about it.
0: Well, so the era's timed out for Jenny then, because obviously she wouldn't be doing that if this was the Michael Jordan Bulls right now. She wouldn't all of a sudden be a Celtics fan.
1: No, she would not, but you can rest assured I would not all of a sudden be a Bulls fan. That <laughs> yeah, would, there that you would go. not happen. It uh, doesn't go that way, no. You said know. it.
0: You know, sports being kind of a, a number one for you, especially growing up in this area, and, and we all know it's in our blood being from here, uh, across the board, all the major sports teams. Are sports kind of an outlet for you? Are they an escape from, from real-world responsibilities? Um, I think
1: y- yes and no. Um, I think right now... You know, anything we could take, we'll get. Because, you know, we're all watching reruns of, like, uh, I think I watched seven hours of Tom Brady reruns yesterday. <laughs> yeah. On the yep. and,
0: My kids you were in know, front of that, too. Um,
1: we're watching, like, classic sports and um, yada, yada, yada. But um, right now, like, anything NFL, even bad news, is, like, an escape from the bad news that's going on. So it, it, it very much it's been an escape now. I think in general, I don't – see it as an escape from anything um i just see it as just a passion and um a very normal part of being a bostonian you know um you could pretty much go anywhere in in massachusetts and probably all of new england and just start talking sports with anyone um i think a lot of people have that now for football like you can go to jacksonville florida and most people can talk football about the jags they may not talk it as well as we do up, up North. Um, but, you know, you go anywhere in Boston and, you know, you could talk to a, a single mom waitress who's, you know, 45 years old and she can break down the Pats roster. She can break down the Celtics. She knows who's injured, who's not. I mean, it's just, it's just who we are up in Boston. So I don't know that it's an escape as much as it's just really a, a major part of who we are. You know, people, get buried with their Red Sox jerseys and, you know, um, and, and have Bruins tattoos. I mean, it's, it's just really so much a part of who we are that I think it's the opposite of an escape. I think it's something we never want to escape. We, we embrace it wholeheartedly and and we love it. We indulge it. And, um, we can't really live without it.
0: I'll ask you the impossible because nobody knows. When do you think we're going to see live sports again? Wow. Um, I got a feeling it will
1: hopefully be uh, when the NFL season starts. I mean, I would love to say sooner. Um, I would love to say we'll see NBA playoff basketball with or without fans. um, Sometime, you know, a month from now, Um, they seem determined to kind of not let the season go, which I appreciate. Um, I know Dana White is pushing forward with UFC events and, um, You know, as long as they're safe, um, then, you know, as as safe as UFC can be. I know it's actually a safer sport than boxing, (laughs) which most people find hard to believe. But, um, you know, um, we need it. You know, I think the country needs it more than ever. Um, You know, so I'm hoping we can get playoff basketball and playoff hockey. I mean, we have the best hockey team in the NHL. We have a contending team in the NBA. Um, It's been such a great year in both sports. Um, And I think fans were really like into the NBA this year from all around the country. Um, It's really sucks that we don't have it, but I'm hoping we get that. Realistically, I I just have a feeling it it might be football. Um, That's not to say we'll be locked in our houses till, you know, August. uh, But I just, You know the reality of getting things up and running and on their feet in a in a very structured way. I think you kind of have to be. It has to kind of fit in the normal flow of your routine. But again, I don't know because NFL camps are going to have to start soon, and you know, will they have enough time to have a proper camp? I don't know. Um, I I wish they could have kept some golf events. I was really excited that they were going to go forward with the players' championship in golf. Right and they actually did the first round and it was like, great, no fans, just do it. Like, just give us something to watch. Um, I think everybody really wanted something to watch, but I I just guess they thought they couldn't pull it off um, without having too many people around. And here's the thing. It's, it's, you know, everyone has different thoughts and feelings about what's going on with, um, you know, the current situation. The reality is until we, just commit to shutting down because that's where we're at in this country. Until we commit, the longer it drags out. So all these sporting events we want and all the things we want, the longer we drag this out and don't just shut down for a couple of weeks, then the longer it goes on, right? And that's the theory. So we might as well just bite the bullet and, and get it over with now. And the sooner we get disciplined and tidy ourselves up and stop you know, running around no matter how invincible we think we are, there's other people who aren't invincible, and that's what we got to be mindful of. And once we can do that, I think that's the sooner we have a chance to get back to normal, hopefully.
0: Does it frustrate you because, I mean, you're on social media all the time when you see these videos circulating from all over the country, people still playing pickup basketball. I saw somebody, a friend of mine, posting pictures the other day. They were having a tennis tournament. There are so many different people out there that it seems like, to your point, everything you just talked about, it seems like they just don't get it. That They need to just put their personal interests aside for a couple weeks, a few weeks, and maybe this thing subsides enough that we can return to some level of normalcy.
1: I mean, if you do it smart, you know, then, then so be it. You know, I, I talked to my older brother, Jim, who's a passionate golfer. He lives in Florida. And I said, are you golfing? He said, yeah, but the way we're doing it is one guy goes out, um, you can go out in a twosome, but you have to have your own cart. You can't be with, you know, within 10 feet of each other on the green, you know, and that's it. It's, so everyone is sort of broken up and fractioned up. So, you know, they're out and getting exercise and doing it in a way where everybody's, you know, has to follow a certain rule. And it's probably a little weird and, um, you know, a little awkward, but, it, it, you know, it's, you know, it's good to get out and get some air. I see, I see people taking walks and, you know, doing their stuff and going running and everything. Um, but yeah, the, the, the spring breakers that are like, you know, um, taking over beaches and partying down and, and just not caring at all. Um, I get it. I was 20, I was invincible and, you know, I was all those things. Um, but it, again it's not necessarily about us and and we are very much a, a society of people who you know are all about themselves not everyone of course but a lot of people and um you know if that's if there's one thing this is hopefully teaching us and and there's a few of us who are a little slow to get on board with it hmm. is um it's not always about us you know there's other people we got to be mindful of and be aware of and um this is, there's never been a more clear moment. It's like, yeah, fine. You're, you're not going to be impacted at all. And I get it, but somebody will. A lot of us have moms who we can't even see, like we can't see our mom right now. Um, You know, she's vulnerable. Um, She's a perfect candidate to be really impacted by this. You know, she's in her upper seventies. She, she was a smoker. Um, You know, she's not in the best health and, you know, we really have to, be quarantined from our mom right now and and she's never needs us more and that's the kind of thing you know if i'm out being an idiot running around taking selfies with everyone as much as i love it and you know going out to restaurants and being you know um you know irreverent or whatever you want to call it you know i'm, I'm, I'm jeopardizing my mother's health and um that's just it's not okay
0: how are you coping? I mean, are you FaceTiming a lot? How are you attempting to oh, offset yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't want to, I don't,
1: I, I, and we suddenly went right off sports. I don't know how we did that. Typically, Bostonians, we go right on sports, no <laughs> matter what we talk about. Well, we, with, with, with all this, it,
0: this, there's nothing, you know, the, there are no sports, right? So it's, it, it automatically goes yeah. back to coronavirus, it's unavoidable.
1: Yeah, well, there are, I'm sure there are some topics in Boston sports that we are going to talk about, yeah, but naturally. I won't rush that, because that's, that's, some of that's even more gloomy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but um, I think social media has been great um, for those who are using it in great ways. Um, my friend is a guy named uh, D-Nice. I don't know if yeah. you heard the article oh, about yeah. him, but he uh, started doing a live club DJing quarantine, session, and it turned into like one of the most amazing parties. I mean, literally, the party is like everyone saying hi to each other on comment. And um I was there um on day two and day three and like we were like cheering when he got to like eight thousand people and you know um on, I think on day three we're like, Come on, let's get him to ten thousand and I'm like tweeting my fans to go on and you know, join his sort of party. And by um I think Saturday night he had a hundred thousand people, like Michelle Obama was there and Oprah was there, and Quincy Jones was there. it was amazing and um there's not a nicer guy around, so it, it was um, it made it all the more special. It was Literally, like to bring it back to sports, it was like watching you know um, uh, Jason Tatum you know uh, after the All Star game you know when he just sort of started erupting into this like superstar right yeah. before our eyes. You could literally see it happening, um, like Reggie Lewis in the playoffs. You know, I think it was in '92 um, in the Cleveland series. It was like literally a superstar is evolving right in front of our eyes. And that's what it was with D nice the other night. Um, You know, that kind of selflessness right now is really um, amazing. And um, it's really uplifting for a lot of people trying to do the same on social media. I'm just trying to do that. That's kind of how I live my life anyway. I just try to be a positive, loving and uplifting person all the time. And um, I I come from the Muhammad Ali school of, I will never say no to a selfie um, ever And, um, you know, and, um, that's that, you know, I used to, as a kid, um, you know, when I first got really famous, you know, we were famous with girls and guys hated us, you know, and I'd go to a Red Sox game or something once in a while, and, you know, somebody would yell from the seats, you know, behind me, you suck, Donnie, or something like (laughs) that, and, uh, I'd be like, I was like, shit, man. All I, you know, I just, all I ever wanted to do was walk down the street and like Rocky and have the pizza guy say, oh, Don come have a slice. You know, that's all I ever <laughs> dreamed of as a kid. Like, being, that's what fame meant to me. Yeah. Not getting slandered at a freaking baseball game. And, um, <laughs> You know, so to be at a place in my life where people are excited and, and want a selfie and stuff like that, it's like, and people will say, sorry to bother you, sorry to bother you. I'm like, shit, bothering me would be cursing me from the from the bleacher seats. I'm good with this. Like, I'll take as many selfies as you want. You
0: know, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad that, you know, obviously you've got a bunch of fans that are listening to this, hopefully, that, that are, if they don't already know that, that they do. Because I'll give you a great example. I was out in Miami a couple weeks ago at this point. We go out for this late dinner at – uh Prime one twelve, I think it is. And I mean you've probably Mm -hmm. been there, really nice steakhouse. And I walk in, first person I see is Jamie Foxx. And so, you know, he's there with an entourage and it's like, all right, I mean we're gonna be respectful, we're not gonna bother him, obviously. And we all kind of finish up dinner about the same time. So we go outside and he's right there, all of five, ten feet from me. And I'm thinking, Oh, it'd be cool to ask him for a picture at some point. Yeah, you know, before he gets out of here we leave. But what stopped me first and foremost, I think, was one, you want to be respectful. You don't want to bother the guy. But also, man, what if he said no? That could kind of impact the way that you view a person.
1: Right. And sometimes people will say no for different reasons. Of course. Um, yeah. I mean, I've always found him to be very gracious and and a, and a great guy. You know, also, you know, the one time I will say no, and, and I do it very uh, diplomatically, is uh, when I'm with my son, um, you know, if I'm on tour and – um, with new kids, you know, we'll, we play like, we'll play the Boston garden. We play arenas all over the country typically. And, um, so if I go from, you know, let's say we're in Philadelphia and we, you know, we play there and we go out afterwards and we stop at a diner or something, um, on the tour bus, my son might say, dad, can we just don't do pictures tonight, please. You know? And, uh, when my son says that, that means, you know, he's, he needs some normalcy in his life. And I got to, provide that as a dad so i'll literally just you know if there's like 100 fans because they'll know they'll follow the buses or they'll check our route to from philly to dc they kind of know we're taking 95 south you know so they know what's going on so they'll kind of try to anticipate where we go and literally 100 fans can be at a restaurant but if my son is it, it, it says don't do it tonight dad then i just i'll literally announce to the fans i'll say i'm sorry i'm with my son tonight and um we really need some father-and-son time, and I apologize, so I'll see you next time. And they're really great about it. Um, the fans are always understanding of it, and uh, that's that.
0: One quick break to today. tell today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day, all online, including a $750,000 poker series. Incredible. If you're into props, entertainment betting, you could still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the weather. Seriously. Visit the website or use your mobile device. Join today, receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code CLNS50. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Let's get back to Donnie. I'll bring us back to sports because you uh, obviously had brought up Jason Tatum and just the the surge that the ascent. You know, when uh, after the All Star break, and and I think you know some of that. Whether mentally or emotionally, whatever it may be, or maybe it was coincidence, but obviously coincided with the death of Kobe Bryant, and that, I mean, was really the first kind of dagger of 2020 in the sports world. And for everything to be on hold right now, just talking about how good the Celtics have been, the fact that they were in position to be a contending team, how disappointing is all this? You know, just as a Seas fan, seeing what a fun bounce-back year they were having, and that potential, obviously Tatum kind of entering the top ten conversation in the league. it's really kind of crushing just the timing of it all,
1: yeah, I would say he's in the top ten for sure uh, in the league uh first and foremost. um I mean, he literally is just unstoppable and um and when he is stoppable, he's kind of you can see he's quickly figuring out how to deal with that, you know, um, when he started putting up huge numbers and then the doubles would come. Um, you know, it was, it was tricky at first, but literally within, you know, a game, sometimes even a quarter or two or a game or two, you see him now adapting and evolving and figuring it out. And, um, you know, I kind of, I I have no idea. Um, You know, I see Jason at a lot of games and, and, you know, we talk from time to time, you know, after a game or whatever, but, you know, I don't know what goes on in his brain, but I, do know that when we went to the all-star game you know at least from my I tried to look at it from my perspective when I was 20 years old and and I was in my band and we were famous and successful like if we went and did you know we did like a gig before and Run DMC came on stage or we did a song with Aerosmith and you know and and all these other famous artists and um you know sometimes like you know, as the young guy, you kind of fall back a little bit and you, you know, you kind of in awe of Steven Tyler and these other guys and you kind of, you know, you do your part, but you kind of just let them sort of do their thing. And I was at the all-star game and I just, you know, the, the veterans were doing their thing and um, Jason didn't really play in the fourth quarter. And um, I kind of was like, you know, just in my own way relating to my life and I have no idea that, any of this is accurate but I had said to my son after the game I said you know I I don't I wonder if he's going to have that feeling like I could have done a little more at the game I should have took that shot when I had the chance but I didn't and that will like ignite him when he goes back to the Celtics like in his own comfort zone because sometimes you get out of your comfort zone and you don't you're not as aggressive as you are in your zone I said I got a feeling he's going to erupt uh when he gets back to the Celtics you know for having like sort of just played the back a little bit during the all-star game. I don't know if that's accurate, um, you know, but it's sort of like, um, you know, if you went and did a, a weekend with Al Michaels and Jim Nance yeah. and a few other guys sure. and, and you get back to Boston, you, you know, it's like, wait a minute. Um, I bit my tongue a lot. I'm not biting my tongue anymore. That's a, it's an awful feeling that I'm not saying that's what happened to him, but that's where my mind went. And, and, he did erupt after it. I'm not saying it has anything to do with the all-star game. I'm not saying it has anything to do with, um, it could just be a matter of, he just finally said, you know what? I belong. I belong here um, with these guys, but whatever, whatever clicked um, for him, um, it's been evolving all season. You know, um, it's been, he's been showing it all season. And, and, you know, whatever it was, I certainly think there was a confidence that shifted um, after the All-Star Game, where he just became okay with taking the game over and not really being apologetic about it. Um, and I think, in some ways, that was the beauty of uh, two years ago with the Celtics was all these guys went down, and it was basically down to to. JB and JT. Right. And they were free to take the big shots and make the big plays. And you could see then that they had this um, thing where they don't hang their heads. You know, um, I went to the game in Milwaukee. I think it was game three um, in Milwaukee a couple years ago. And they were down like 21 and came back and tied it up um, right at the end. And um, it was a huge game and they just had that spirit like that Paul Pierce had and and Larry Bird had and this this sort of they could miss 10 shots they don't care they keep coming back and they keep coming back and they shake it off and they never quit and um that um so there's always been that um with with uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, Mm -hmm. but with Jason, after the all-star break, something just clicked where I think last year Kyrie came back and they wanted to still be able to take games over when they felt it, but that was Kyrie's thing. And, you know, there was all this friction and, and, you know, Marcus Morris was playing for a contract and, you know, going to be a free agent and, you know, that's going to be his last chance for a big payday and he shoot threes like through the roof. I mean, he was on fire the first half of the year. And you could see where they're just, you know, and um, Rosie was going to be a free agent and he wanted the ball. And you could see where it stunted those two guys. And um, the fact that the team came back and committed to them is huge. And um, I think it was just a matter of time. I think Jalen's been super consistent from day one this year. And Jason has just been sort of like on a steady Um, Ascent this entire year So it's been amazing to watch And to me it puts them back on the rightful Path that that they were on in the playoffs Two years ago that these young guys Are going to be the future and they are going to Lead us forward and No we should not be trading Jason Tatum For one year of Anthony (laughs) Anthony Davis No
0: So with this nucleus, and you bring up Jalen Brown, the great strides that he's made this year. Obviously, he's on the books long-term now. Kemba Walker has been just the the anti-Kyrie in so many ways, and we need the guy to stay healthy, clearly. But he has been a, a perfect piece for this team. Marcus Smart is... There are so many words to even describe Marcus Smart. We love the guy. He's, he's so polarizing. I think there are some people that, that undervalue him. Maybe Gordon Hayward sticks around. We'll see after uh, this year when his contract option's there. But Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens, they're signed up. They're at the wheel. When do you think we're going to see Banner 18? Well,
1: I'm going to tie this back to the previous question because part of your previous question was Tatum and part was how frustrating is it because they seem like they had so much potential this year. So I'm going to come back to sure. both questions. Um, I think the, the break or the shutdown, we could be the, one of the teams that's lucky if the season picks back up. And what I mean is we were really banged up um, right when this shutdown happened, you know, Kemba's knee wasn't right. Um, Jalen had been out, you know, he's been out, um, You know, he missed a bunch of games um, with his hamstring. And, you know, um, Gordon got banged up. I mean, everybody was – we had a lot of guys that were hurt. And Marcus has just been, you know, like literally every game he's getting picked up off the floor, you know, because he plays so hard. Bionic man. Um, Totally. And um, you keep thinking, all right, is this the game his hip is like done for the year um, when he gets up limping? Um, Well, some of it is acting here and again, but, you know – Uh, Generally speaking, he really is taking some heavy balls. (laughs) he put some of that um, behind him. Yeah. I I definitely think the Celtics might have benefited. I'm not sure if we could have gotten fully healthy by playoff time. Um, If if the season picks back up and if the guys who were hurt are recovering and um, come back full steam, I think we could actually – have a chance to really stun people. I, I think we're a good matchup against Toronto. I think we'd be better off with the two seed than the three seed. You know, I, I, you just you just don't want to be on the road in a game seven ever, should it come down to it. Although without fans, the refs might be a little less swayed, um, you know, to, uh, to blow the whistle on ticky-tack fouls yeah. in the fourth quarter of a road game um, without, you know, screaming hysteria. from opposing fans. But um, I think that uh, if the playoffs got back on, I think there's not going to be any more regular season games. I think the Celtics could have a chance to actually get healthy and really push push this to the limit. Um, They match up good with the Lakers. They match up good with the Clippers. Um, The toughest team for us is obviously Milwaukee. Um, And and Philly – has had our number this year, but I wouldn't worry about them in the playoffs. Um, I I think the Celtics get, get healthy and push Milwaukee to the limit. And should they happen to somehow get by Milwaukee? I think anything can happen in the finals.
0: If you played smart in a game to a hundred, would you score a single basket? Uh, I'd score a few baskets, not because I
1: could score on him because He'd probably let me just to make it interesting, <laughs> just to be kind. You know what I mean? Yeah, he he'd like to have fun. He'd probably like you know he'd be like a, a guy playing his younger brother. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like uh, suddenly it's like it's you know it's just toy with you a little nine bit. to nine to two and the games to eleven. You know, right. and it's like all right, here comes the comeback now. It's like you know we used to fight. Uh, my me and my brothers used to fight. Like the brother who was younger typically. Would, you know The older brother would let him win a little bit and then come back at the end and break his heart, which is a very Boston thing. Yeah. And, but the brother who was losing would always say, you're letting, you're letting, you're letting me win. And he'd be like, I'm not letting you win. I'm not letting you win. And then, of course, the comeback starts. It's like,
0: see, I'm not letting you win. That's and, my that's my kids when they're playing the papa shot. Totally. Marcus would, Marcus would let. He'd let yeah. me
1: win a little bit, and then he'd break my heart at the
0: end. So obviously I mean people can tell listening to you huge Celtics fan and uh, we've known that for a while. I mean you narrated the 30 for 30 on the season Lakers with Ice Cube. You've uh, you make it to a ton of games like you said all-star game but home and road and I remember years back, I mean a decade back at this point you were featured in Wicked Good Year, our uh, mutual friend Steve Buckley's book and yeah. a lot of that was focused yeah. on on you growing up a C's diehard. Obviously and you said it, you know, huge sports fan, it's in your blood being from Boston, but how big a part have the Celtics in particular played in your life?
1: Um, man. Um, just, you know, for a, a while in Boston, they were it. Um, they were all we had. You know, the Red Sox had the curse of the Bambino, and the Patriots were sort of this uh, inept franchise um, that had one shot against the Bears one year. Yeah. And um, that ended horribly um the bruins were always around it but couldn't quite get it done and um the celtics were it and yet somehow we still weren't really a a city of winners um but but in the 80s um you know having bird and and mikhail and parish and dj and danny and those teams um maxwell i mean there was a um a a confidence and a swagger that, that gives, you know, um, and just, um, you know, what it meant to me, it's really hard to put into words, but what it was like growing up, you know, like getting on the train and grabbing, you know, taking the subway to high school and grabbing a Herald, like with my only quarter that I had in my pocket, I just had to grab a Herald and, um, look at the box score from the game the night before, um, you know, and just study it. I mean, I would study every single angle of the box score and then I would look at other teams and I'd say, well, what did that jerk Kelly Trapuca score last night? <laughs> right now it's close to catching bird in averaging points. And, you know, like just, um, it was just so much a part of our life. I was remembering the other day I watched the 86, um, championship game against Houston mm. and um and and Bill Walton um celebrating and I remember my high school um was Copley High, which is now Snowden High School. It's a Boston public school. And it was it's on the corner of Dartmouth and Newberry. But when the Celtics would win the championship, which in, in um eighty four and eighty six day one, I was in high school both years. The parade would go right outside our school on Boylston Street. So I literally In 84, I didn't take advantage of it and, and like, really go crazy. And I said, in 86, I'm going to shake hands with people. I'm going to climb on those trucks, and I'm going to high-five. And as soon as the parade started coming, I jumped on my friend's shoulders, and the first person I high-fived was Danny Ainge. Um, And it just – it was, like, it was everything. It was like he – you know, we grabbed both hands, and we, like, looked at each other, and he screamed, and it was awesome. And then I climbed on the back of another truck – and one of the security guys was pushing me down. I said, please just let me say hi to Bill Walton. And he tapped Bill. And Bill turned around and shook my hand. And um, I jumped off the truck. And it was like just um, the most incredible um, feeling, the most incredible excitement to, um, to see the team that, like, you just – like i said when when you spend all your time reading the box score and like kids today they're like they're on their smartphones looking at highlights and checking all these new age statistics and and um you know and my son's like dad you know Jalen's plus minus is the best in the league right now
0: like <laughs> they know all this stuff too all his net rating and everything that, they, totally when
1: when you follow that so intensely like so many of us bostonians do um and your team gets to the mountaintop, there's no feeling like it. Um, and to have those rivalries um, in the 80s and to be able to say, like, we beat L.A., you know, we beat Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson. Like, we did that. We beat Moses Malone in 81, um, and we beat the Sixers from down three to one. It's You never forget it. You never forget what it felt like. You never forget where you were when it happened. Um, We listened to Game Seven in the Philly series in eighty in eighty one, on a (laughs) boombox up the street while we were playing wiffle ball um, because we couldn't watch it on TV. Our parents didn't let us watch it, so we took stole my brother's boombox and listened to it, and we're screaming and yelling and jumping around and you know just listening to Johnny Most. And uh, you never forget that stuff. um, And when you're that invested and you win, um, it's it just it's uplifting in a way that stays with you for a long time, just like the losses do, you know, the losses, um, all those Red Sox losses throughout the years, Mm -hmm. and all those tough times, you know, made a lot of us feel like losers in Boston. And, um, you know, it just, uh, that stuff stays with you as well. So fortunately for a whole generation or two coming up in in our city, they they will never really know what it feels like to be a loser. Uh, They just, they're, they're winning.
0: <laughs> they're winning bigly. <laughs> <laughs> for, for two decades strong, everybody exactly. across the board. Yeah. You ever tell Danny Ainge that story about the high five? You know, I don't
1: think I ever told him. Um, I, I might have told him once years ago. I don't think I ever did, though. Um, but it's a true story. My friend Elliot Jackson, who was a uh, not really a Celtics fan, um but that was a whole nother part of growing up in Boston, which was awesome as well. Um, the occasional non-Celtics fan. Um, (laughs) but he literally said, get up on my shoulders. And, um, and as that first, I think truck turned the corner, like I literally was almost eye level with Danny Ainge. I saw it on the news. Um, we watched, we watched Chet and Nat back then. (laughs) Oh yeah. So, um, so I'm pretty sure it was on uh, Mike Lynchy. Lynchy had it on um and it was literally me and Ainge high fiving. Um and uh it was just uh I can't even explain how important and amazing I felt in that moment. And, and and so when you talk about me taking selfies and me being, you know, generous with my time and stuff, that's a moment that that I can turn to in my life and say, you know he did that, you know, he did that for me. And I know what that felt like for me, you know, for Danny Ainge to high five me right there and imagine what that means to people. When I can stop and take a selfie, if you've been a new kids on a block fan for 40 years or 30 years, and you bring your kid to a concert and now they've grown up listening to my music. And, and I, if, if, I could stop and take a moment with them and, and touch them in a way like Danny Ainge touched me in that moment of euphoria, I mean, that's, that'll live with them forever. You know, so it's it, it passes on for sure, and um, it, it's a moment I'll never forget. And um, it's uh, it, it probably not that my Celtics adoration needed any cementing, but it's certainly um, it definitely inspired me to want to be as much a part of the Celtics journeys um, as anything that happened at any other moment in my Celtics lifetime.
0: So. You being 50 and born in August, just, you know, we we break out the calendar, right? Go back through the time machine. The Celtics won their 11th championship, I think, just a few months before you were born. So you've been around for six of them. So like you talked about, I think your, your prime rooting fan days, I think everybody's... You know, when you're a teenager into your early 20s, I think that's when you're really at your prime as a sports fan because it's just it matters more than anything else. It's before most people have those real-world responsibilities. So you grow up like you talked about during that Larry Bird original Big Three era. But, you know, beyond everything that you just talked about, going back maybe even earlier to earlier on in childhood, what are some of your earliest memories being a Seas fan? Maybe that first time you went to the Garden or something like that.
1: Um, I remember... Probably seventy six. Um, we had a we had one TV in our house. It was a we had two TVs, but one was a thirteen inch black and white TV, and the knobs were fallen off of it. So you had to use a butter knife to poke it in there and, and turn the channels. Um, you know, with the little metal part that connected to the knob, um, there was usually a split in the middle of it, and you could get the yeah. the butter knife in there and get it to turn the channels and of course we had a um clothes hanger a wire clothes hanger for an antenna and that tv would just pass around from room to room my dad would carry it in every room in the house um and at night it would end up on the dresser drawer in him and my mom's bedroom but he would literally carry it into the kitchen at dinner time put it on the counter plug it in and watch camel pins for cash and the carol burnett show and um and you know um he would watch a lot of sports, but for whatever reason in 1976, we had this big color TV um, that used to sit on the floor in the the living room, like a very 1970s color TV. I know people remember they were like huge. They look like big, uh, they're like the size of a a dresser drawer or, you know, um, and like there would be like a a lamp on top of it and and a a doily and some different knickknacks and things. Um, But that TV never worked. And um, for whatever reason, in 1976, it was working. And (laughs) I'll never forget when the Celtics won the championship, um, my parents were watching it on that TV. I'm sure it was on tape delay, um, but they were watching the game. And my mother just kept, you know, going crazy over uh, Dave Cowens. And um, it was just, it was amazing. It was amazing to see. And um, it was the first experience like i i had with winning um with winning anything um and um it's it's the earliest memory and you know hearing my older brothers talk about you know callens and Havlichek and russell and 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 those guys like from an early age it just instantly put me on the trajectory to get involved and i think when you can get involved with a team when a young guy comes on board like Brady with the Patriots, like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum with the current Celtics, like Paul Pierce. And of course, when I was a kid, Larry Bird, um, when you are there from the inception of a star coming in and you watch the development and you watch that ascension, um, it's, it's a really amazing thing to do. And that it, I think that's the best way for it to really get your hooks in. Your parents can tell you you should like this team. Um, you know, you you can hear from your older siblings, what it means and who, who this guy is and who that guy is. But when you find your guy and you click with that guy and you, you know, follow their journey, you really become one. That's when it becomes part of your, your, not just your bloodline, cause your parents passed it on to you, but it becomes part of your soul and, and what you are and, and what you're about. And you, you take on sort of, um that kind of mentality you know they say that um, Larry Bird worked in Boston because he had that lunchbox mentality I think he inspired a lot of us to maintain that lunchbox mentality you know um, you know my dad was was of that mentality but Larry Bird and those guys you know Robert Parrish was just so just a silent strong guy and he just was always so no nonsense you know what I mean he just didn't waste any energy on ridiculous celebrating and 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 silliness it was just all business and non and just relentlessness and uh, toughness and uh, i think you know they bring that to us as much as you know uh we bring it to them you know i don't think i think larry bird helped us identify who we were and those celtics teams helped us identify who we were as bostonians rather than you know He came to Boston and was like us. It was like he was like us, but because we could identify what he was, it helped us identify who we were.
0: A lot of awesome stuff so far from Donnie Wahlberg, and that's just it. So far, special treat for you. If you didn't know already, you don't follow me on Twitter, which, by the way, big mistake, at Adam M. Kaufman, you really should. This right here, part one. Of our lengthy interview, part two will be released tomorrow. Same place. You can find it on my Twitter again at Adam M. Kaufman, or just make it easy on yourself. Subscribe to the show. Search Celtics Beat on iTunes, or just Celtics. It'll pop up. You can subscribe. The show will be right there again. Part one, which you just listened to, part two, equal length, more fun stories, a look ahead, and so much more. I don't want to spoil anything for you, but that is coming your way. Same time, first thing Wednesday morning. Don't. Listen, once again today's show brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your next deposit. Gino, get us out of here.